Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, let's just put, put this time in the Lord's hands. Dear Lord, thank you very much for the privilege that I have to be standing here today, O oh Lord. Thank you very much, Lord, because uh, it's a privilege to be in this church, and it's a privilege for me to be in this pulpit preaching your word. Thank you, Lord, because you allow me to speak this language, and thank you because you help me every minute to speak it and glorify you with it. But I ask you, Lord, for, for wisdom. I ask you, Lord, for intelligence. I ask you, Lord, for your grace. And I ask you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit this morning. That your Holy Spirit will be talking through me, O oh Lord. That what we will hear today will be not another message, but it will be something that we can keep in our hearts. But... In, in, on top of everything, O oh Lord, we just want to glorify you. We want to give you the praise and the glory and remember who you are in every situation. Remember that no matter what, you know us. No matter what, you are with us and you take care of us every second of our lives. All these things I pray in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. When Pastor Leonard said... Uh, that he wants me to preach, I was very excited when he said that it was about Joseph. Then when he told me the subject, I wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> I was happy because Joseph is actually one of my favorite Bible characters. He's one of the Bible characters that give me strength or guide me through different circumstances in my own life. Something that I always remember about Joseph is that the Lord said, I will be with you no matter where you were. You know, Joseph was a good person while he was taken to Egypt. Joseph was always a good person while he was taken to jail. Joseph was a good person while he was working for 44. And at the end of the whole thing, Joseph was in a really good position when he was working for Pharaoh. And you see that no matter what he went through, God always was with him. And that's how I feel in my own life. And that's how I hope you feel in your own life. That no matter what you go through, the Lord is with you. The Lord is, understands whatever you're going through. Basically, the subject that pastor asked me to preach about today is <clears throat> what to do the worst day of your life based in Joseph. And I'm going to try to don't steal too much for the other messages from pastor, but I really have to fight with myself to stop. Um, but it's a very good subject. I, I really love to Apostle Paul. Because he, he goes to, through so many trials. And so many adventures. Maybe so many maybe people will say, oh, If I go with maybe half of what Paul has been going through, I will just quit. But he was always grateful. He was always happy. He said, Lord, I can make it with a lot. I can make it with very little. But he was always putting his eyes on the Lord. He was always putting his attention and his faith on the Lord. But in, in our times today, or, or you know, in the, as I said, we always want everything done right away. We want everything fast. We complain too much, I will say. Or some people complain too much. Let's don't say we, because we're good Christians. We don't complain too much. <laughs> but some people complain too much. 
You know, some people will rather not wake up one day. Say, when I wake up today, maybe I wake up with the wrong food, people used to say. You know, you're running late for work, or you're running late for your sermon, and then you have a red light. And you're like, I gotta keep mowing. You're gonna, you're having something important, maybe a meeting, a family reunion that you wanna be nice and shiny, and then at the last second you messed up your shirt having your breakfast, or something happened. <laughs> or one of the children did something, and they mess you up your clothes, like, I gotta go change. And automatically, our mind goes right away. Oh, this is the worst day of my life. Why I deserve this? Why me? You, we, we, you know, and, and, and everybody does it. In the Bible, you see it one, you know, again and again and again and again. When the, when the <clears throat> people was crossing through the desert. The Israelites. They complained about everything. They just saw that the, you know, the Red Sea you know, cut in half. And they went through it with... Dry, you know, dry floor. They just see, they just saw the glory of the Lord. But then in the other side, they start complaining because they're hungry. In the other side, they start complaining because they're thirsty. In the other side, they start complaining. And I always think about this complaint. They start complaining. Oh, in Egypt, we used to eat a lot of meat and beef. You know, and I always remember. If you read back, they have a lot of cows, and you know, why you didn't kill yours and eat it? Because they just like to complain a lot. But maybe what is for somebody the worst day of their life is for somebody else nothing. Because we are in different stages in our lives. We face so many things. And I always think myself when I'm going through something difficult, I say, oh, this is nothing. How can I complain about this situation if my Lord went through so much for me? You know, they betrayed him, they, they, they crucified him, they hurt him, and they did so much against him. And he put his head down and stayed quiet. I asked Brian to, to prepare a picture of the angels around, around earth. But he, he will have the power to call angels, thousands of angels, to defend him and take him back. And I really love that picture because that's what I really think about it every day. I will say when I will be in heaven and where we will see each other in heaven, I will say they will have a family video or a blockbuster and then we will see how many angels were in front of us and behind us and, and helping us every second of our lives. You know, we, the Lord have the power to just say, I don't really want to do this and I'm going to go home. He was fully God, but he took it for us. And when I see people complaining and complaining and complaining about so many important things for them, I'm not saying they're not important, I have to be respectful, always respectful. But when I put that against some people fighting, and we have a lot of people in our church fighting against sickness, we have a lot of people fighting against <clears throat> cancer, we have a lot of people fighting against no hope, we have a lot of people fighting against Layoffs, no job, maybe a fire in the house. You know, so many other possibilities that when you put things in perspective, you say, maybe this is not the worst day of my life. And this is what it happened to, to Joseph a little bit. And let me read for you in 
Genesis chapter 37, for those of you that bring your Bible or like to read it, is Genesis 37, I'm just going to read a couple verses, and forgive my reading, and I'm working on it. I prepared this message completely in English, so for the very first time, praise the Lord. It says, Jacob lives in the land where his father has stayed, the land of Canaan. This is, <clears throat> this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man at 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bila and the son of Silpa. The names are harder for me, as maybe the Hispanic names are harder for you. His father, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. You know, and in a, in a lot of places they will call him with many names. But based, maybe the, his father asked him to do it. And he was just being obedient. The, the Bible doesn't tell us a little bit more about it. But what it really takes my attention is that now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Because he has been born in his old age. <clears throat> and he made an... A really nice coat with a lot of colors. But at the end says, They hate him and could not speak kind words to him. But who created all this? His father. His father decided, as he said right there, to love him more. Love him more. That's a huge mistake. I don't have biological children yet. But I have 40 children that go with me everywhere. <laughs> and uh, that's why I use the two church bands. And I can just not pick up a couple and just leave everybody else behind. Because uh, guess what? I will be in trouble the next time I see them. Because they talk to each other right, right away. And, and uh, they will be really upset. And this is a little bit of, of what's happening Right in that moment. And maybe you experience some of it in your own family. Maybe you think, oh, and I, was, I wasn't the favorite. It was my brother. It was my sister. They usually, they, they wish I was like my sister. They, use, they wish I was like my brother. But let me tell you, every situation is different and every individual is unique. But the good thing about it is that God knows all of us by name. He knows how unique we are. I know those 40 children, how unique they are. For, for those of you that are helping in the tutoring program or Sunday, you know, they see how wonderful kids they are. But I have to forgive them for how many times they bite me when they didn't want to come to church, when they were upset, how many times they kicked me. It's fine. I always have fun trying to see what they will do next. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes we as an adults or important people in the children's lives, we create these situations because we don't take wiser decisions. Wise decisions. And that's fine. We're human beings. We make mistakes. And how many of you read the handbook every time you buy something? Or let me ask you, how many of you read the handbook? I'm sure every car has a handbook, but you only read it when you have a weird light in your dash, you know, coming on, and you then try to figure out where is it. We don't read the handbook so many times. And guess what? Children don't come with handbook. You just have to figure it out one day at a time. 
Enjoy them one day at a time. Love them one day at a time. And I, I will say it's the, exactly the same thing with us, between us and the Lord. The Lord loves us one day at a time. The Lord forgives us one day at a time. He doesn't, of course, He remembers, but He chooses to forget, to forget about it. You know, it's, it's, how, it's, it's awesome if you think how close is forgiveness, you know, forgive to forget. Because the Lord chooses to forget, but we sometimes don't choose to forget. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more when we move. We always remember, oh, you did this to me 20 years ago. We have good memory for the bad things, but we don't remember the good things. But guess what? The Lord is the opposite. He always remembers the good things. It was because He sees us through the, through the blood of Jesus Christ. He doesn't see us straight like, like we are. And He knows, knows us the worst. You know, He knows. He can read our minds. He can see our lives. And if He loves us, even knowing our darks, you know, the bad of the bad, the worst of the worst, I, I think He's doing good. He does a lot of good for us. He loves us deeply. And if you see the Bible, you know, putting back again, what you do the worst day of your life? How many people in the Bible have a worse day in their life? And I, don't, I really think that the Bible is not afraid about addressing this issue. Because every time and every time when you see, let's talk about Jonah. He, he was disobedient. He ended up in a big fish. And I think maybe he can say, that was the worst day of my life. <laughs> now it's made like fishy. <laughs> you know, some people return their food because it's a little fishy and I never understand. You know, I don't see fish, but they say fishy. But then maybe that was his, the worst day of his life. And how, what the icon was with Jonah? The whole city convert and glorified the Lord. What was the icon of the slaves in Egypt? They, they did something that they were not allowed, so that's why they were, they were over there, you know, under Egypt, and they suffered, and they cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard them. That's why He called Moses. What, the, what He told Moses? He said, I hear my people. I hear that they're crying. They were crying. They were saying, Lord, we cannot take it anymore. That was not the worst day of their life. That was the worst 400 Maybe 400 years of their life or 40 years of their lives. Some of us are not facing only one day, the worst day of our lives. So we're facing maybe the worst week, the worst year. But what was the outcome of it? They get, get, they get free. They get the new land, new everything. And they didn't have to pay for it. Nice and free. What other things you can see? You can see about Ruth. She lost her husband. She didn't have place to go. She didn't have nothing to eat. And she was with, with uh, the mother-in-law. And sometimes mother-in-laws always complain and complain. But she decides to stay with her mother-in-law. And that could be considered the worst day of her life. But what was the outcome of it? What was the end of it? She remarried again and she was okay. And if we keep going and keep, and keep going and keep going... With Job, you know, the best, a man of huge faith. All the trials he went through. And what the Lord gave him at the end. 
double whatever he lost. In every situation, the Lord always led us to go through it. The Bible is not afraid about, you know, talking about bad things. The Bible always addressed the subject and let us know that as human beings we're going to face these situations. As I always tell pastor, when pastor said, Harry, don't worry about it. We're going to take it away. I said, pastor, don't, you don't worry about it. Because the Lord told me, then the Lord never told me it will be easy. The Lord just told me I will be with you. And that's what I always remember when I go through things. But what we should do the worst day of our lives. I will say the first thing, you know, and you talk to psychologists and they tell you, you know, they tell you that, that when you go through hard, hard things, you go through five stages. You go to negotiation, you get angry, um, yeah, you, you deny it, you get angry, you negotiate with the Lord, you get really sad, and then finally you accept it. That's what, the, that's what we go through every time we, we go through a hard thing. That's what we go through when somebody passed away because we deeply love them. But I will say, in the other hand, what the Bible tells us, how to face grief, how to face sadness. The first thing I will see is, and this is a word that I never used before, weep, or basically cry. We have to cry sometimes. We forget how to cry. Maybe some of you cry for a movie or something, you know. Some people just cry for everything. But for some people it's just hard to cry. Even when you're in leadership, if you cry, no, I cannot cry because that's considered a weakness. I am not weak and strong. And strong in the Lord. But guess what? If you, if you are strong in the Lord, you are allowed to cry. Many people in the Bible cry. Abraham cried when Sarah passed away. Joseph cried of, re, of rejoice. He was happy when he was reunited with his brothers. Peter cried when he betrayed Jesus. And Jesus himself cried when he saw the Lazarus pass away. Even knowing that he can resuscitate him in a hard bit. But he cried. And I think he cried... To show us too how human he was. To show us that how he understands completely and 100% what we go through when somebody passes away. It was not his plan. And I always, ask, you know, I always tell the Lord, this was not your plan. Your plan was that we can be with each other for eternity. But things happen. And he's still in control. But the first thing we have to do, the worst day of our lives, if that exists, or if you're facing it at the moment, or the, or the worst month of your life, as I said, or the worst year of your life, always remember, you can cry. The, the Lord knows your tears. If they're good tears. I always tell the children, and, you, and all of you know your children. You know if they're crying because they're just, they just want a toy. You know if they're crying just because they want to move you to do something that they want. Or you know if they're crying because they're really in pain. And somehow we know the difference. It's the same cry. It's the same volume. It's the same. Everything is the same. But somehow, even when, when, when they're not our kids, we know the difference. And when we hear that they're crying because they're upset about a toy, 
we sometimes don't pay attention too much because we know. But when we hear that they're crying because they're in pain, you drop everything you can. And you get there right away. And it's the same thing with our Lord. The Lord knows your tears. The Lord knows your grief. The Lord knows everything you're going through. And He will go right away. He's God. He has the power. And if you see the picture, He has thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. He's the commander-in-chief. He can say, go right away and help Pastor Eric. Said, said a hundred angels or something. I don't know how many I used. Maybe they're too tired to run in behind me. Or I drive fast sometimes. So. But he's there with me every step. Every second I can feel his presence. In every decision. And even in small things. The other day, not, not long ago, I think two, week, two three weeks ago, I was, uh, for, uh, my car started breaking by himself. I was putting the gas pedal all the way to the floor and I was barely doing 20. And thanks to the Lord, I make it in front of the church. And, but the problem was that I have to take some people to Cleveland to basically ask for mercy from immigration to don't deport some children, some of my children back to Guatemala. And I said, Lord, what can I do now? I have to go. Who will take them? It's a long drive, and you know, people is busy. And, and what, I, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And I start worrying, and, say, and I, people keep start calling me like, Pastor, where are you? We know, you know, we know we're Hispanics, we're always late, but you have to move. And I said, I'm working on it. And I start fighting deeply with the Lord. I say, Lord, this is not even for me. Do it to me when I have time. But this is for other people. You know, I was negotiating with him, with the Lord of Lords. <laughs> and then he, right away, I feel. I said, what are you complaining about? Where are you? you can, your car could broke in the middle of Cleveland. But you broke in front of your church. So I said, thank you, Lord. I apologize. So I said, let's call Brian right away. I called Brian and said, Brian, take me to Enterprise. I need to get a car right away. And I came in right away to tell pastor something else. And, and then, out of the blue, Brian said, you can take my car. And I ended up, and I said, Brian, I'm sorry. You, don't have, you will not have a car for lunch. And he said, don't worry about it. And even on top of that, when I came back, I know Brian doesn't like to receive credit, but he did it with love. When I came back to return his car, he said, oh, I went to AutoZone, I fixed your car, it's nice and done. And, he, and I was complaining. How can I complain? But sometimes we have to cry, and the Lord understands. That doesn't mean you're not, you don't have faith. If you cry and if you grieve, you know, as pastors, we face so many things. We have to go to the hospital and try to give people hope when it could be not hope. It's easy when you are helping a Christian family because you tell them, oh, we're going to see all of us in heaven. Because I really believe that. But it's so, it's so hard to give hope to a family that don't believe in Jesus Christ. Because what do what you tell them? 
It's no hope without Jesus Christ. It's no plan B without Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. He's the only way to heaven. And I really believe that. But sometimes too, you have to sit down and think yourself. And you have to tell yourself, enough is enough. It's a time to, to grieve. It's a time to cry. As you see, as even Jesus did it. But it's a time that you have to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Because that's a big, big mistake. And it's a well-known mistake that Satan knows. He's a liar. And he knows that if he keeps you in grief, you will start getting angry. You will start getting upset. You will start looking for people. Oh, who's, uh, it wasn't my fault. It was his fault. He offended me. He did it to me. 20 years ago, he took the brown spoon from the table. He did it on purpose. We start overthinking things. And automatically, we, we become the judge in the court. Automatically saying, you're, you're guilty. But guess what? The Lord is not judging you. The Lord is telling you, I will be there with you. I will be there for you. So it, it's, it's a time. And I don't know what, where, is, where, is, where are you right now. But let me tell you, this message really taught me some time. Because I have to preach to myself first. And sometimes I push myself to don't cry. I say, oh, no, 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 I'm not a missionary. I've been in so many countries and I've been in so many situations. And I see the hand of the Lord. But sometimes I, I, will, I ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, I just have to cry. And I just have to let things go through. And I just have to, you, to take care of things. And, and, and the, whole, the, whole, you know, the, the Lord is always with me. But sometimes I have to say to myself, enough is enough. But the, Lord, but the enemy, I'm sorry, the enemy knows that. And we, we start feeling sorry for ourselves. Oh, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. He did it to me. And the next thing that happened, the old cool happened, the worst day of your life is that we become toxic. It's a word that I don't use too much, but uh, I'm going to try to say it. Bitter. When, some, when you drink something and it's ugh, really bad. It happened to us one time. I took Saret's parents to a Amish country restaurant. And Saret was trying to use her English in a very good way. She was ordering for her mom. And she wanna she to uh, order grape. Grape use. But instead of saying grape, the, the fruit, she said great use. And that juice is kind of sour. I don't know if you get it because it's even hard for me to be the, do the distinction. But sometimes we get bitter. Sometimes we get toxic. We start getting toxic. We start being toxic not only for ourselves, but for other people. And I ask you this. If you can ask yourself, what people will say about me when I'm coming? Do you think people say, oh, there's pastor, nice man. Oh, there's the guy who speaks weird English. I don't understand what he says. So let me just turn around. <laughs> I do my best, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I, I, I interpret in the Colombiana County Court, and when I hear myself in the, re, in the recordings, I say, I don't know how I did that. I, <laughs> that's my voice, but the Lord always gives me grace, because they're, they're recording everything I say will be used against me if I make a mistake. <laughs> I can send people to jail. 
<laughs> but if you get if you get bitter, if you get toxic, if you don't allow yourself to grieve, to cry the appropriate time, you start hitting yourself, you start hitting your health. When you worry too much, you start getting sick. And many people are sick just because they don't let things go. They're very upset. And they always wake up already upset. They start hitting themselves, their health, their mind. Because they're always thinking, always thinking, always thinking their emotions. Their relationships. So many people don't... How many relatives we didn't see for years? Because we remember that specific issue that causes us to depart from each other. And years and years pass. And we are believers. We're good Christians. But we don't take the time ourselves to say, I forgive you. We don't allow the grace of the Lord to go through our hearts and clean our hearts. And even... The biggest example I have for this is the Lord Jesus Christ in the cross. After all they did to him, they whipped him, they hit him, they spit on him, they make him carry the cross. He was dying, he was in severe pain. Not only physically, you know, he was betrayal. Like Joseph. When you know I, I would say oh, everybody here or you know what Joseph, What happened with Joseph is that her brothers decide, oh, we're going to kill him. The Robin said, no, no, don't kill him because he's our brother. And then I said, well, just put it in this hole and then we can sell it. And how can you think that Joseph will feel? This is his family. But sometimes we get worse things from family than from people outside. That's why some people even say that their family is more family from church than their real family. Because we start understanding each other and following each other in, a, in the love of Christ. But we just don't allow the grace of the Lord you know, and to, to work with us, to work through us. And, and like what Jesus said that I was going to mention. What He said on the cross. He said, Father... Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I will, maybe you're thinking, but he knew what he was doing. She knew what she was doing. And she did it anyway. Even with that, you can just take the same attitude that Jesus took and said, just ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. I'm being called so many names and things in this, you know, in, in, in my ministry. I'm being facing things that I that I always tell Pastor Leonard. Maybe they're not in my in my responsibility list. I have people when I uh, take women to the Christina House or to the shelter in Jumpstown or in Cleveland, if they figure it out, and I get phone calls saying, "I'm gonna get you." I'm going to get you one of these nights. I know where you live. That's, that's why I moved. But they got me. They, they found me anyway. That I'm going to get you. And every time I'm going to get out of my car, I say, Lord, give me good eyes to see. Give me somehow strength to run if I have to. But just take care of me. I'm doing this for your glory. 
And yes, I'm scared. Yes, I'm afraid. And every time after I have the phone call saying, I'm going to cut your brake lines one of these days. So every time, every morning, I have to put in my knees and check the brake lines to see if somebody caught it. And I found the people were beating up my car. I said, it's okay. Just people upset. People is upset because I didn't do what they want me to do. But guess what? I only follow the Lord. Whatever he says is good, I do it. If he doesn't say it's good, I don't do it no matter what. And, and when I face these things, I always have to think, well, the water, he knew what he was doing. He, he did it on purpose. You know, thanks to the Lord, the police know me because they go to the police many times and they ask me and I say, I'm sorry, it wasn't me, but they said it was me, so they helped me. I have a good church who back me up. I have a good pastor who trusts me. But basically, if you don't allow the grace of the Lord to clean you, you're in big trouble. And maybe you're facing that trouble now. And maybe you keep negotiating with yourselves. Saying, no, it wasn't my fault. I'm a good person. I'm a good Christian. I don't kill anybody. I don't do hurt. But the Lord said, I want more from you. I want you to, no matter whose fault is it, just forgive. That's, the, that's grace. Because grace is, we don't deserve it. Grace is like covering. You know, and, and the Bible said that if we have seen in our lives, it could be really dark, but they say it will be white like the snow. And I like, like snow. But when I was preparing the sermon, I remember one morning they wake me up without any notice. They didn't tell me one day ahead to, that I have to wake up really early. So they wake me up right away and say, Eric, go move the Cadillac. And it was a Cadillac DeVille. You know, it's a really, it's a long car. It's a car that I'm not used to drive. I can do it, but I'm just not used to it. My car is shorter. And plus, I have a, half of my brain is still sleeping. And they push me inside the car and say, move the Cadillac. And guess what? I was going in a little alley and I scratched the Cadillac against the fence. And the Cadillac was white. And the fence was green. So you can see it right away. <laughs> and I hit the fence and I put it in reverse and back up and tried to fix it. And I went forward again and the second time I hit it again. That's when I really wake up. <laughs> so I get back and I went back again so I parked the Cadillac and said oh Lord they're going to figure it out <laughs> so I said I know what to do it's a lot of snow it's a lot of white stuff around so I got grab a lot of snow and I put it on the bumper <laughs> and all the cars have snow in their bumpers in the, in the winter so it's okay I said, I'm going to get it fixed tomorrow and it will be okay. But guess what? They use the Cadillac and the, the, the snow for love. <laughs> and they did figure it out. So they asked me, Eric, what you did with the Cadillac? I said, I'm sorry. You got me. I was going to fix it. You know, it's, I can pay for it. They said, no. We're going to sell it anyway. Don't worry about it. And I said, and then I've been suffering for two days. <laughs> that's grace they didn't make me to pay for it and they they didn't deserve that I didn't do it on purpose of course but they forgive me and how nice it feels 
I was suffering for two days. Would I have to take the car to get it fixed? And that's grace for all of us. The same grace is available for all of us here. If you, I know maybe somebody hurt you. I know maybe somebody offend you. But you have to put grace. You have to cover it. Forgift is close to forget. Don't, don't take it back. We just, if you really think about it, we start talking to ourselves. We, know, we told the story to everybody we can. But already everybody knows, so we start repeating the story to ourselves again and again and again. How mean was he with me? But you know what? That doesn't come from the Lord. That's the enemy. That's Satan that wants to take your joy away. He wants to take your joy away. And this, that's what I have here. In Nehemiah 8.10 says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This is the holy, this is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, but the joy of, of I'm sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Lord knows when we rejoice, when we are together as Christians, we are stronger. But the enemy knows that too. And he knows if you grieve, if you get upset, if you don't allow grace to come into your life, you even start thinking, I have to go away from church. I don't have to go to church. Because the enemy knows that they will have to, they will take you away, you get weaker. And what the Bible said, the Bible said the enemy is like a lion. And you see those shows in, on the TV when the lion is going to hunt. Which one is the one he gets? He doesn't get the big one and the stronger one. He gets the wicked. He gets the, the smaller. He gets the one that is lost and away from the big path. But we allow that to happen. So, what we have to do to face the worst day of our lives? We have to just wait from the Lord. We have to wait in the Lord. We have to start or stop being toxic. And we have to try to hear from our Lord. Encourage ourselves in the Lord. In the Lord. That's a big and a very important key. Encourage ourselves in the Lord. And how can we do it? Well, we have the bread of life. The Bible. It's a living book. You have it right in your house. You can just read it. When you need to hear from the Lord, even if you don't understand, you don't have to call a pastor. You don't have to. Just read it. And the Holy Spirit will work with you. Maybe it will take some time. But He will talk to you. You have the Bible. You have prayer. And um, you have a picture somewhere of prayer that I choose. I love that picture. We can pray for each other. Because we're stronger together. And that's how I feel in this church. Many people pray for me. Many people support me to be here. You can see how these three people, they will maybe not make it if they try by themselves. But if they help each other, at the end, we make it together. 
We have to start looking. We have to start looking for a word from the Lord, from the Bible, from prayer, from the circumstances. But the Bible said that the faith comes by hearing. And when you can hear the word of God, coming to church. That's why you're here. Well, I, I only skipped church three times in ten years. And the three times is because I was really sick. I love coming to church every Sunday and old school. I like to come to, come to the first service where the children don't wake up on time. <laughs> but I love my church. I love seeing everybody and say, and forgive me if I don't remember your names. You know, I just have to say hello. If you see me in the street and I don't say hello, I forgive me. Maybe I don't remember your name, but come and say hello. But I love to say hello to everybody. I love to try to encourage everybody. But what the world does, people start trying to fill that emptiness with other things. Because they don't have the Lord. We have the Lord. We are, we are people. Because we belong to heaven. We have the passport and the visa already done for heaven. We're just visiting earth. That's why we're different. People will say, but what, what are you doing? What do you do? What do you do? Because, because I love the Lord. But people don't see it that way because they don't have hope. They don't know the Lord. So where people start looking for, for, for the solution for their grief. They start looking for a solution in liquor, beer, alcohol, drugs, sex, money, anything you can think. I'm not going to mention it. There's so, there are too many. And at the end of the whole thing, you're as empty as you start. Actually, you're worse because you're out of money. I always tell that to the Guatemalans. They love to drink. Actually... I was this morning at 2 in the morning in the police department because three beat up themselves. They were bleeding. They are, they're uh, having new clothes, orange clothes in the county jail, and they're learning some English. And they will be there for a couple of days. But they start just drinking and drinking and drinking. And, and when they say, Pastor, can you sign this? I want this, this hospital to pay for my bill. I say, no, you can pay for it. Yeah, how much you spend in beer last week? I saw you drunk three times, so you're spending a quite a bit of money. But that's the way they try to deal with their emptiness, with their homesick. They're homesick. They're away from home. They don't understand many things. They don't have the Lord. And the couple churches that are available, they're more heavy things to carry than a real church of grace and hope. Because they have so many rules. You don't, cannot come to church if you don't have the appropriate shoes. The ladies cannot come to church if they don't have the appropriate care. Because they, can, they cannot wear any pants. You know, so many rules that are not really in the Bible. That's why when I show up, I show up in different pants. Because, you know, they have to respect me because I'm the pastor. But they get upset that they cannot say it because I'm the pastor. But I do it on purpose to show them that it was not for, from what I wear that I love them. It's because I love them because... The Lord loved them. But so many people don't allow the grace of the Lord to be able to face the worst day of their lives that they pay a price for it. As I said, they get sick. 
They start isolating themselves from everybody. They don't want to, you know, they start, they stop coming to church. How many, how many people we know, good Christians, are not here today? They're at home. Because they feel offended. Because somebody didn't do something at church. Because somebody took my seat. I have a, I have a church one time calling me and, and, and telling me bad things. Are you, how you were baptized, Pastor Eric? And I said, I was baptized with water. What, what do you mean? You know, they, they're so specific about details. And some, sometimes maybe we are facing the same things. But the, the, something key that I want you to remember today when you leave the church is your heart. The seed, if you allow, let, let's think about seed, you know. You went, and we know seeds all over, you know, because we're, we're planting so many awesome flowers, you know. You can buy seeds in, in, in Walmart or wherever you buy the, the seeds for your flowers. But if you allow the seed of grief, of pain, to stay in your heart, it will damage your heart. If you allow that offense, oh, he didn't say hello to me. He passed next to me. He didn't say hello. And that happened to me many times. That's why I always for, ask for forgiveness. Because maybe I was... When I'm thinking in something, I'm just not looking around. When I'm driving, somebody Pastor, I wave at you and you didn't say hello. And I say, I'm sorry, I was driving. I have to look straight. But we get offended about so many small things. And we allow that seed to stay in our heart. And guess what? If that seed stays in your heart for too long, you start having a root. And that root is not good in your life. Because it will start pulling you away from the Lord. But it's always hope. If you allow the seed from grace, of grace, to be put in your heart. You will start seeing things in many different ways. You will start seeing things as Jesus sees things. Maybe some people will. That doesn't mean that the person or the circumstances that is causing you hurt, causing you pain, is going to disappear. As I said, the Lord said, I will be with you. The Lord never said it will be easy. But every time... Every time that you face that person, every time that you have to put your head down, just say, Lord, I have to give Him grace. I have to protect my heart. Because if your heart is happy, if your heart has, re has joy, you will be happy. And joy, joy and happiness are two completely different things. Because joy only can come from the Lord. And if the Lord give it to me, nobody can take it away. I want to... I really didn't pay attention at what time I started preaching. I'm sorry. I'm having a new watch and these things are hard for me to read. I was used to the numbers for so many years. But I want you to think about that situation that you're facing. And if you don't have a situation, you can say, oh, I'm fine. I don't, I, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. 
and doing everything I'm fine, my, everything in my family is fine. If you really think you, you are not facing nothing, I want you to see the picture and I want you to pray for somebody else. If you, you don't have to go with that person at the moment or right now. Just, you just know what person is, is, is going through the worst day of their life today. Just, 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 just put it in the presence of the Lord. And, and the, in, what pastor will preach the rest of this month is how Joseph, after he was betrayed, as after he was hurt, he was in jail. And he didn't do nothing. He was innocent. And so many times we have to do the same thing. Even when I didn't do it, I have to put my head down and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And believe me, this message talked to my life in a very deep way. And, and, and showed me that I have to allow the Lord to, to work in my life. Because sometimes facing so many things during the day, it's hard to come at night and be happy. And just leave it outside. I wish I can just leave it outside of the door. But I want you to pray for that situation, for that person. And I want you to pray that the, if, if you think you have a road of sadness, of betrayal, maybe you think, oh, nobody cares about me. I, I'm going to repeat you what I said at the beginning because that's the main thing. I said every situation is different and every individual is unique. But God knows all of us by name. The Lord knows that you're going through the worst day of your life, through the worst month of your life, the worst year of your life. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're battling with. And I was uh, battling with this. I, I'm very happy and I feel that it's a privilege for me to, be, to give my best years to the Lord. I, as I said, I see His hand in everything. But I always say, Lord, why would you don't help us a little extra? Why you don't allow us to heal ourselves and just don't allow people to go through cancer? So many good people has been going away. And then I say, Lord. But the Lord said, I will be with you. And I just, I just have the same, the same thing that many of you have been facing. Not long ago, I would say like a month ago. Actually, a little bit after I, yeah, like a month ago, I received a phone call from Colombia, and they basically said that my brother, who is uh, 35, he's, uh, he has a stomach cancer. And, and um, I, I fight with the Lord, of course, you know, I went through what the psychologist said. You know, I was upset, and this, and this, and this. But I told my mom, Mom, he's in charge. But it's hard. He's only 35. I wish he can be here in the States when I can run with him right away to University Hospital or Cleveland Clinic and they will do everything they can to do something for him. But in my country, that doesn't happen. You have a, a doctor appointment every two months if you're lucky and we have to pay for it. But thanks to the Lord. The Lord blessed me here enough that way I can help my family back in Colombia. But the Lord knows what I'm being through. The Lord knows my tears. The Lord knows my hopes. And that is not going to stop me. 
Because the Lord said that He will be with me in the same way that He will be with you. I just want to ask you that please leave that in the Lord's hands. Maybe you've been battling with this for years. Today is the day to allow the seed of hope, the seed of grace to be in your heart. And start cutting all the other brushes and bad things that, and put it out. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you very much because you are the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and you are in charge, O oh Lord. We cannot be in better hands. We cannot be in, in, in better place, O oh Lord. You look for us, you save us. You gave the, the best of the best, your son to die for us in the cross. You have the power to do whatever you want, O oh Lord. But we want to tell you, Lord, is that we love you. That we need you, O oh Lord. Every step, every minute, O oh Lord. And I'm praying today, Lord, for the worst day of our lives. For maybe the darkness that we're facing at the moment. And I want to say thank you, Lord, because in every dark moment, we can see your light. We can see your love through people being around us, through circumstances. But thank you, Lord, because we don't feel alone, because we know you're with us. And I ask you, Lord, for everybody here today, how hard, Lord, how hard is to forgive? How hard, O oh Lord, is to put our heads down, O oh Lord? But you did it for us. You paid for our sins even when you were innocent. You take all that punishment for us even when you didn't have to. So just from, from you, O oh Lord, give us the strength to forgive. Give us the strength to forgive and cover it with, with snow, and cover it with grace, whatever offense, whatever hurt we have in our heart today. I ask you, Lord, that this in a step to be the worst day of our lives will be known as the day when I saw the grace of my Lord. We love you, O oh Lord. We need you. All these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.